Ah, yes. You had to go there. Wasn't me. It was Sage. <laughs> well, you said there was someone trying to shoot their shot on Twitter with a celebrity. I'm just getting everybody in the mood, you know? Uh, all right. So, yeah, Sage has opened up the, the conversation here on the topic. And that someone is Tyler Lockett. Welcome back to The Game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Sage Williams. The Game After Five. And the Game After Work. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tyler Lockett. I honestly don't know if he has a girlfriend or anything. I think I thought he did. Um, and, and, you know, when I tell you about this, you'll be like, well, he's just trying to get some business going, as in actual mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all it is, is a business relationship. I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's talk about this here. All right, so Tyler Lockett, if you haven't heard, it was last month they got out there that not only is he a football player, he is also a real estate agent. He got his license. He announced that on Twitter and, and Instagram, which, by the way, he has like 600,000 followers on Instagram. Good for him. Goodness. Um, and um, he had put up his first listing, which he's like, I guess he's with Live and Serve Real Estate and the first listing was for a house just outside of Seattle worth $3.25 million. Five bed, five bath, 4,500 square feet. It's a beautiful house. I mean, around here, this house, I would guess, would go for like maybe like a half mil, like four to five. So a lot cheaper here. But over in Seattle, of course, that's a different story. So my first question for Tyler would be, what's your commission? I'd love to know that, um, because for a $3.2 million house, you know it's going to be some pretty good commission. I got a friend who's a pro wrestler. His name's James Storm, and he, outside of wrestling, he he's also a real estate agent in the Nashville, Tennessee area. And for those that maybe listen to the Dave Ramsey show a little bit, you may have heard before that around the Nashville area is like the hottest market for real estate right now when it comes to return on investment. I remember hearing this story about this 16-year-old kid who's an influencer on YouTube, like flipped a house for like $150,000, and we're talking about over a month he was able to make that kind of money. So Nashville's hot right now for real estate if you're selling, like it is a lot of places around the country. So for $3.2 million dollars, yeah, you're probably making some money there for the home sellers, and uh, Tyler going to make a nice, nice, uh, mm-hmm. some nice coin on that one as well. Mm-hmm. Now, his latest game has gone to Twitter. <laughs> Iggy Azalea, who is a pop star, she's from Australia. She's my age. Fancy. She's like a, she's like a month older. Fancy, yeah. That's really the only work. It I think uh, is another or work, work trouble with. Uh... Uh, with uh, Ariana Grande, or was oh, it was it Trouble? Look at us out of our lane, trying yeah, to be hip. I know I should know the song. Anyway, so Iggy, first of all, me and her, we have something in common, and Problem. she says, "That's it. I I keep selling my house so I can have an excuse to Zillow. I'm obsessed. It's an actual addiction. So my addiction's a little bit different. I'm not selling anything. I just like to go look. I like to get on Realtor, Zillow." Uh, apartments. And I just like to look around. I think it's fun. But I'm also in the market to buy a house. Kinda. I know it's expensive right now, so I'm kind of looking. Um, but Iggy Azalea put out this tweet two days ago. Tyler quote tweets it 
and said, if you're ever looking for a realtor or want to buy in Seattle, let me know. Oh, boy. I was like, Tyler, you dog. Oh, boy. So smooth. Trying to get Iggy Azalea to move to Seattle. Doesn't just subtly drop into the DMs. He makes it public. Gets out there on Twitter. I think this is a nice move. I don't think uh, Iggy Azalea has probably never heard of Tyler Lockett. She has many more followers than he does. That's a nice gesture. Is he shooting a shot? I like to assume so because it makes it more fun. He's probably not. It's probably just strictly business. But you you do your thing, T-Lock. Boy needs to watch himself, though. Does he have a girlfriend? No, his history's a, or her history's a little rough. Well, yeah, I don't know all about that. Last two guys that she's been with cheated on her. Now, when it comes to real estate, Tyler would never do that. No, I'm just saying in general. Just. But when it comes to real estate, like your license, that's by state, right? Yes, it so, is. So like if you were to move somewhere else, you'd have to do whatever you have to do to get a real estate license again? Testing again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And the thing, I mean, the story, I, I don't know if it's still a thing, but it, it sounded like for a minute there he was going to be going somewhere else. Right. He, his name was on the table to be traded. But he is still technically a Seattle Seahawk and a real estate agent in the uh, greater Seattle area. I am concerned about what his uh, stats are going to look like, though, this year. His With no Russell Wilson? Yeah, his quarterbacks right now are Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Yeah. Yeah. Now, anybody I, drafting I all K-Staters on your fantasy team, be warned. For the last three years, I've had Tyler Lockett mm-hmm. on my dra- on my uh, on my team. I can understand why. I like to I pick Tyler on on daily fantasy on Sundays myself. But yeah, it's not going to be pretty. It used I to be uh, used to be Jordy Nelson. I'd always draft mm-hmm. him. It's usually just them too. I dra- I drafted Josh Freeman one year and regretted it. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, let's go back to K State men's basketball. Still to come here on the game, we'll have number one song of the day and ask us anything. Deuce Vaughn, Felix, Andy, DK, Uzama, Leah Carter from the volleyball team. Well, they've uh, benefited from some NIL just recently. Well, we'll get to that in the next segment, along with some sports gambling news. Some big news coming from Laura Kelly, our governor. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to uh, K State men's basketball. The last couple of days, we've seen uh, multiple interviews come out either in print. Or in a video on Twitter with um, Andy Katz. And that's just talking about K-State men's basketball, who he's got so far. And a timetable. Timetables have been set on when you know, he would for sure like to have this team completed. And it feels like over the last three interviews he's done, D. Scott Fritchin, Andy Katz, and the latest with Kellis Romney, it feels like it's been extended a little bit. Now the goal is like to be around August, when they have a concrete team ready to go and in place on campus by August for the 2022-23 season. In this interview with Kellis, Kansas City star and Wichita Eagle, there's some really good quotes in here. Like, some really good quotes. Like, I enjoyed them. The first one is something you don't expect a coach to say. But he, he said what we've all known and what we've thought. He said, this is no offense to the staffs before me or any of the players, but when I was coming in, I thought... There were only three guys I would want to stay, and two of the three stayed. I knew that was going to happen. I mean, I, I, yes, the mass exit once again with transfers, coaching change, 
yeah, I think we did. We didn't want Nigel Pack to leave, but he did. And the other two of, of course, is Marquise Noel and Ish Masood. So nailed it on the head. Absolutely, Coach Tang. Those were the only three that needed to stick around. And you hope to stick around. Everybody else, not Jerome Tang's talent. Not what he wants here at K-State. Not Big 12 town. I totally agree. So I think he nailed it on the head there. Mm-hmm. Now, Nigel leaves. He gets his NIL deal with Miami and with John Ruiz, the attorney, slash <laughs> I sell this website to you that keeps track of your medical history. You can look it up and we keep it safe. Noel averaging 12.5 points last year. Ish Masood starting 18 games last year. He's back with a lot of roster spots to fill. And right now, there are seven filled when it comes to to scholarships and six to go. So still a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Went on to talk about anxiety is starting to build. Lost that battle with Antoine Davis. Also five-star recruit Ju- uh, Julian Phillips, who's from Linkier Academy in Branson, Missouri. Decides not to come to K-State and K-State's no longer on the table. So yeah, I get the anxiety because it's now maybe starting to settle in a little bit. Now, you know, it's it's a tough Tough road ahead, potentially, trying to build this roster. He wants these big-time guys, and it's going to be harder than maybe what he expected. And also what goes into that hard battle is you know what we're currently dealing with, with and moving forward is NIL and a lot of dudes in the transfer portal, and you're going to have to really battle against other schools to win those recruits. But also probably a shot to his ego. You know, the Antoine Davis battle – felt like it favored K-State. Put so much effort into it. Weeks of effort. Got him here. The players were involved. The K-State fan base was involved. You felt like you really lost one, and Coach said it himself in the interview with Andy Katz that Scott Drew called him and said, hey, man, I know this one's tough. But you know what? There's going to be some other guys out there, so keep your head up. I mean, it kind of reminds me of, like, I've never – dealt with this situation but I'm sure others have and I'm talking about the, in the dating world I haven't been on a dating app in a year and a half <laughs> I have a girlfriend I'm very happy but um, you know those that are, have been have dated before of course and been through the uh, been through the drama of what that can be you know there's this girl you like you've been out on a few dates really gotten to know her you want to make it official you like her that much mm-hmm and then right as you're getting ready to do it, make it official, she decides to go back to her ex. Oof. Yeah, that can be a bit crushing and a, and a, and a shot to your ego a little bit. I mean, that, I think that's maybe the best way I can maybe draw it up to put you in Jerome Tang's shoes. But yeah, that sucks, man. A guy you really felt comfortable about bringing in and being a huge part of this team would be a marquee guy. Absolutely, that's a shot to your ego. But there are more guys out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe not to that caliber, but some guys that can certainly be some key playmakers. And Coach Tang, he said it in this interview, and he said it before. And I love it. I love exactly what he said throughout this entire interview that he did and what Kellis Robinette put out there when it comes to the quotes. He says he knew it would take time and a little time to put it all together. I can't tell you that there's not a little bit of anxiety about some of it, and as it goes along... Well, we're not going to take a bad player to fill a roster spot. We're not going to do that. All the guys we get to come in here are going to be Big 12 players. Absolutely. 
also added, I need four guys who can play 30 minutes per game and average double figures. That is where my focus is right now. Right now, what he has built on this team, in my opinion, he's got a solid bench. Now he needs some starters. Because everybody that's, when it comes to this recruiting class, are, in my opinion, guys with a ton of potential, uh, but, you know, probably still looking to prove themselves. Not talking about the high school guys like Dorian Finister, but um, I'll throw out there, you know, Jarrell Colbert, LSU, barely played. Um, the Mississippi State transfer, Cam Carter, barely played. Mm-hmm. I mean, with those guys, yes, there's potential. I mean, we're talking about, you know, former four-star guys, went to the SEC one year, now they're done, and they're coming to K-State for a better opportunity. And I think it is certainly going to be a better opportunity, but you got to keep your fingers crossed that this turns into a situation like, I'll give you an example, Dom Johnson for K-State baseball. Last year as a freshman at Oklahoma State, um, yeah, didn't get much of an opportunity. A little bit early, had a couple of hits, but you know, it, it wasn't a, you know it wasn't a great first year for him. But he has a ton of potential, and Pete Hughes saw that potential. He's in the transfer portal with this very little experience at the college level, but that's the game this year. These days, you got to go in the transfer portal and go get some guys to fill some spots that you need to fill now. And he, so he, he rolled the dice on Don Johnson. And now look at the left fielder's doing. He's top 10 in the, in the Big 12 in hitting. I mean, he's obviously very reliable in the field. He has started every single game. He leads off for the team. And Except, he's, he's yeah, exceptionally consistent out of that leadoff spot, yeah, too. And he's, yeah, he's been tremendous. He has been an absolute fantastic addition for K-State baseball this year. And I know with Pete Hughes and this coaching staff and next year's recruiting class, I mean, they're expecting a big recruiting class next year. So trying to build up to where they want to be. But Dom Johnson, hopefully, is going to be a guy that's going to be here for the long haul and be a big part of that and be in left field and be here for three more years. That'd be amazing for him. That is what we hope for when it comes to Drill Colbert and Cam Carter, but right now they're not starters. They're not right. Doesn't feel like they are certainly. And with you know Naquan Tomlin is probably the closest you would feel would be in that spot. He has played at the JUCO level. He's shown his athleticism, his ability to score. Like he might be pushing for that four, the three to four spot on the floor, for sure. You know Taj Manning, Dorian Finister. I mean Dorian is obviously talented, but it just a fresh. He's going to be just a freshman at newbie. So, yeah, Coach Tang, I mean, this was so well said. Yeah, he needs guys that can score and play 30 minutes a game. That's where that perfectly fits into where we have now transitioned into where we're at in recruiting, where we still got to fill potentially five to six spots. Starters. And who is going to be the old guys on the team, potentially, most likely, because you know he's going after guys that are in the NBA process. I'm sorry I didn't give you much time to talk there. It's okay. I had a lot to get in you were, there. You were on a thought and have <laughs> I, at I it. I couldn't stop. I t- I've turned into John Kurtz where I can't shut up. <laughs> Did I leave you with anything to say? No, not really. Okay. You're, you're, you're on the money with where you're going with this. And it's a matter of, for all of the anxiety that's around it, you know, welcome to life with the transfer portal and trying to put together a roster the anxiety will be high 
as it continues, but patience is what's needed. All right, when we come back on the game, uh, something I really enjoyed earlier today, uh, a new... Um it's like two and a half minutes. I don't know if I exactly call it a commercial. It's a perfect like YouTube uh, before your video commercial where you can maybe skip ahead after. But it was a very entertaining two and a half minute commercial that featured Deuce Vaughn, Felix, Andy DK, Uzama, and Aaliyah Carter, plus the latest on sports gambling becoming a thing in Kansas. That's next. You know, everybody has that, like, one sign that tells them, all right, football season is here, baby. Let's go. Mine is when you see the porta potties in the parking lots of Bill Snyder Family <laughs> Stadium. That's the sign oh. that tells me, all right, football is here, baby. Tailgating is here. Let's go. It's about game day. Those are cat cans for those that don't know. And uh, earlier today, I got to share this because it, it was really entertaining. Um Shout out to Cat Cans putting out this video earlier today. It's about two and a half minutes long to advertise the services that they provide, but it also featured three Wildcats. Hashtag my boy Deuce Vaughn, King Felix, mm-hmm. and Udike Uzama, and Aaliyah Carter from K State Volleyball. Mm-hmm. And. Let's see here. How do I paint this picture? First of all, I mean, no offense to them, but uh, or to cat cans. I mean, there, it feels like there's a few plot holes, but I, there's one gist to it. And basically, so what happens is like you have Deuce and Felix in the first scene, and they're at Manhattan High in a parking lot. Kind of like it feels like they're like parking lot monitors, and they're racing to a porta potty, but that's reserved for Felix. And underneath reserved for Felix, it says, "No deuces allowed." I was like, "All right." Now we're off and running. You have me interested. Where is this going? Why can't Deuce Vaughn use this porta potty? And then the next scene is at City Park, down the road from the high school. And um, there's another porta potty, and Deuce is racing Aaliyah Carter, but she takes a shortcut and gets there first. But there's it's reserved for Aaliyah. And once again, it says, No deuces allowed. And Deuce is all sad. He's sad. He's now in West Loop, and he's all mopey. He's walking around with his head down, takes a seat next to the McDonald's, and all of a sudden looks to his right. There's the VIP porta potties, which is basically a mini tractor trailer that is pulled up in the parking lot, and it's like has like a full size bathroom in it, and it says VIP, Deuce is welcome. And Deuce Vaughn got his bathroom break. Let me tell you as well, taking advantage of a prime situation, Cat Cans getting the filming done while that uh, VIP one is on the lot at McDonald's, which the dining room has been closed for about three weeks now because they're undergoing a reconstruction inside. So they timed it beautifully to be able to get the filming done while that was on lot at McDonald's. And I got a feeling, you know, this was, I think this was what NIL was supposed to be, right? That's, that's what you're talking about, yes. Yes. Not Bunch eight, of student athletes uh, racing to porta potties? Well, okay, maybe not the caliber of credit, credit everybody for having a good sense of humor no, this about was, it. Yes. I think this is well done in a well, uh, this is a great use of NIL. 
Um, and of course, you know, cat cans. It is their Portageons out there at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. You got to use a couple football players to promote your product. So congratulations to them on a job well done. It's on YouTube, by the way, if you want to watch it. I'm sure Felix, Deuce, Aaliyah, they've promoted this on their social media accounts. But if you if you want to just get on YouTube and search for it, it's the video is called Deuce's Welcome! Exclamation point. It's an entertaining two and a half minutes, and I could tell uh, probably did it on a hot day, but they had a fun time uh, making that uh, the video. It was, it was really fun to watch it. It was just posted like five hours ago, so it's really new, obviously. Now... The other big news, I suppose, from today, and we actually found it out this afternoon, and this comes from the Gov herself, Laura Kelly, um, and that is we have now a signing that's going to take place to put forward legalizing sports gambling in the state of Kansas. So what we know, basically, like when it comes to the gambling, like, yes, you'll be able to bet on games or whatever. There'll be a 10% tax on every bet you make. And uh, we're beating Missouri to the punch, which theirs is basically dead. And Kansas is making it happen, which they'd become the 35th state to legalize gambling. I didn't know there was that many states already that have gone through with that. The interesting twist on top of the fact that Kansas is going to be in that situation, Missouri won't. Yeah, and uh, which flip-flopped, you know, the marijuana topic. Missouri has legalized it. Kansas is still way behind on that, which is disappointing. But it makes me wonder as well. 35 states have already legalized sports gambling. Like, have they, like, when it comes to states that have legalized pot, like, is have they passed that? Are there 35 states that have it legal now to smoke pot? No. Still a little behind in that. Yeah, I would say. So, but it sounds like Laura Kelly's going to sign it this week. Is that right? Yes. Because uh, she gave that indication today to members of the media as they were discussing the bills that are on her desk that are awaiting either approval or veto at this point. So basically, are we? I think we're looking at July, right? Correct. Sometime in July is when, it, like, it will officially happen. Like, we will mm-hmm. we'll be able to get on apps or go to websites or whatever. Uh, Whoever is going to have the service to go bet on sports, bring and, it. And like I said yesterday, remember. There's somebody out there that has K-State's win total at six. <laughs> Take the over, boys and girls. All right, so here's what we're going to do for the rest of the show. So today there are going to be three people here in just a few moments that will be blindfolded, pushed into a van, and be taken be taken over here to Manhattan Broadcasting. Um, and they're going to be deciding the KMAN Student Athlete of the Year. So that's a big deal. So I'm going to be taking off for the rest of the show to get all that ready because they're going to be coming over pretty soon. Um, and those names will remain confidential. And so Troy and Sage will be taking over the show with number one song of the day and Ask Us Anything. And that's coming up next. But I'll see you tomorrow. Go Cats! When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown when you've got worries. 1965, Petula Clark went number one with Downtown, number one for two weeks on the charts, had a career that spanned seven decades. 
starting when she was a child entertainer on BBC Radio during World War II. 20 years later, with songs like this, she was sometimes called the first lady of the British invasion. Over the course of her career, 46 studio albums, 15 top 40 hits, but out of that, only two number ones. This was one of the two. She's sold 68, more than 68 million records. That's a lot. Oh my gosh. Right. But when you're involved in seven decades of music making, you would hope to. Then you're, yeah, yeah. you're selling a lot of yeah. records. <laughs> uh, she's also been in stage musicals such as The Sound of Music, Blood Brothers, Sunset Boulevard, and Mary Poppins. She also appeared in more than 30 films between the 40s to the 80s. When it was released in the U.S., Downtown shot to number one, making her the first female singer from the U.K. to hit number one in the U.S. during the rock era, so post-1955. Would you believe that she didn't have a record deal when this shot to number one? Well, I was going to say, who was just the first... Uh, UK artist to reach number one because you said she's the first female. Was there a number one male artist? Now you're going to make me search. Yeah, I mean, dig in, dig, dig in, gargle it. Yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) It just happened that Warner Brothers executive Joe Smith, who was vacationing in England, heard the song and signed her to a deal. I found the first British artist to score a U.S. number one single was Mr. Acker Bilk with Stranger on the Shore. Instrumental. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't think I recognize that, but yeah, that would make sense. So it won a Grammy in 65 for best rock and roll recording. It meant that Petula Clark became the first British singer to win a Grammy. And in 2003, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. Well, so we've been having this discussion for like a week now of what's rock and roll. (laughs) Um, Is this rock and roll? (laughs) That's the question here. We've been having this argument for like a uh, right? week now. We got to oh, get yeah. down to it. What's rock and roll? <laughs> this would still be viewed as rock and roll. Definitely more so than Acker Bl- uh, Blick would be, or Bilk would be, I should yeah. say. Yeah. My, I don't. I don't get it. By the way, my dad is so into that channel on Sirius XM. It's. <laughs> you know, my my dad went from listening to classic country to listening to instrumentals all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, <laughs> all the time. Now, bear in mind that the word downtown has a different meaning in America than it did in the UK. Of course, here in the US, downtown is the heart of the city where the action happens. In Britain, the word wasn't used much at the time. It generally meant the less 
aff uh, less affluent part of the town's central area. The song's writer used the word in its American meaning. Tony Hatch was inspired by a walk down Broadway during his first visit to New York. On the surface, it's a song about having a delightful time during a trip downtown. But what happens when the night is over and the singer returns to her everyday life? After all, the trip into the city is merely an escape. See, I wasn't getting all of that from this song. I just keep hearing the word downtown in my ear because <laughs> I feel like I'm not even focusing on the lyrics at some points. You know what I mean? It, it's a tremendous earworm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, it, it's catchy, but I don't know if I'd want to, like, listen to it all the time, personally. Because it's for me, it's a little too slow, but that was the music at the time. Really, this falls more into a show tune-ish category than yeah. it really did rock. Oh yeah, that's what I'm th that's what I'm saying. I'm like, is it rock and roll? Cuz for me, yeah, it's it's more of a doo-woppy show tune sort of vibe, but right. at the time, I guess this is more conventional. For that point, yes. Keeping in mind that Beatlemania was still in the midst of its basic uh four chords run of two minute some odd second songs that was where we were in the 60s in terms of rock and roll absolutely yeah unless of course you were getting into the more r&b influenced of elvis and the like but at this point things were starting to turn towards the brit side of what was viewed as rock and roll well yeah and comparing this tune to the beatles they're not the same. Very clearly, no. they're not the same. But yeah, I just can't really lump this into a rock and roll category, even though I guess it could be considered that based on winning a Grammy for Best Rock and Roll Recording. I feel like we need Mike Myers as Austin Powers doing some bit to this yeah. song, honestly. Yeah. It just needs a little, I don't know, it just needs a little more hype factor. It's just not, it's just not a, as fun of a song to me. No, and, you know, it, it, yeah, it's pretty basic. But yeah, going through, it's, I guess, historic in that regard, too. Winning those Grammys and, and you know, getting inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame. It is historic, but, eh, eh. Right. And the, and the history of, of making her career begin during the Second World War, that's very interesting. Yes. Just in general. And yet, beyond this song and one other that hit number one, would you really say that Petula Clark had an American career? <sighs> kind See? of. Yeah. Not really. Because... When you think of, you know, the UK takeover, the Britain takeover, it's the Beatles, straight up. Like, right. they're the main center of that. But then there's people like Petula who would go through the cracks, I guess, at that point. You know, I didn't know the name Petula Clark, I think, before <laughs> before this segment. And now I do. But you get a lot of those artists that just kind of weasel through the cracks. She's 89. Oh, wow. Still living in England. 
1954, the first of her big hits in the UK, The Little Shoemaker. And within two years, she began recording in French. Okay. See, the, this would be along the lines, honestly, of putting... Why am I blanking? It's Julie, okay, no uh, Julie Andrews. Okay. If Julie Andrews had a top 10 hit. Yeah. And I love Julie Andrews. So that, yeah, that... That would be yeah. more on, in line with talent-wise what we're talking about with Petula Clark. Well, she's a musical theater girl. I'm talking about Mary Poppins, The Sound of Music? Yeah. Easy. Which then makes it tough to say that, you know, she was the queen of the British invasion, but... Right. Yeah. <laughs> imagine that. Julie oh. Andrews is more the queen of the British invasion at this point. <laughs> Which is a whole nother controversy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she even wound up being the host of specials on NBC TV for a bit. She had guest shots on Hullabaloo and Shindig, the Craft Music Hall. Of course, had multiple appearances on Dean Martin's variety show and Ed Sullivan's variety show. NBC offered a special in the U.S. and in doing so inadvertently made television history somewhat controversial while singing On the Path of Glory, an anti-war song she had composed. She took a hold of guest Harry Belafonte's arm to the dismay of a representative of the title sponsor of the special, the Chrysler Corporation, <laughs> who feared the moment would incur racial backlash from yeah. Southern viewer, viewers. When he insisted they substitute a different take, she and the executive producer of the show, her husband, refused and destroyed all other takes of the song. The touch remained intact, and the Chrysler representative was terminated. That's fair. What a queen. <laughs> uh, four wow. days after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., the program aired April 8, 1968, yeah. to high ratings, critical acclaim, and a primetime Emmy nomination. She would host two more specials on NBC in early 1970 and one for ABC, which served as a pilot for a projected weekly series. The She also had her own series on The Beeb, this is Petula Clark, aired from mid-66 through early 68. So, as you can see, much more well-rounded than just downtown. Yes, just downtown. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad that she's doing other things. <laughs> All right. Ask us anything when we wrap up the show coming up. Just let me say this before we get into Ask Us Anything real quickly. NBA just released the numbers on the Most Valuable Player Award. For all of the crying that Joel Embiid didn't win it, two-thirds of the first-place votes went to the MVP, Nikola Jokic. I don't want to hear any more out of the Embiid folks about it. Jokic's numbers, never before seen by a player in a season, that's your MVP especially given the bunch of Denver Stiffs he had on his back. And if you, if you have to research it, do look up Denver Stiffs. It's a joke. Okay, that said, here we go. 
Sajay? Yeah. All right. I got one uh, that's kind of controversial. Uh-oh. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? No. No? No. Why no? Wife is not happy that right now she <laughs> cannot do pineapple on pizza. Well, then She's you not just being order... allowed to for the moment. Well, you just order two different pizzas. Give one to her. Uh, and... That is what does happen <laughs> in our household, yes. <laughs> See, I've never actually had pineapple on pizza. I've been meaning to try it. That and sardines. For some reason, those are the two that like are controversial. I want to try them. <sighs> My grandmother had sardines around the house. No, thank you. <laughs> um, and pineapple, no. I, 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 California pizza, no, thank you. Okay, okay. And then, uh, let's see, do you collect anything? And if so, what? The one thing that I do have a little bit of a collection of, besides just general sports memorabilia, M&M dispensers. Okay. When the first one came out in the 90s and Monica and I were just dating, uh, that first one got given to me by her family at Christmas. And from then on, it just kind of grew from there. But you're not like actively seeking them. No. Or you're just being given. For the most, for the majority of them, yes, they were given. Yes. Oh wow, that's so interesting. People um, just see one and they're like, "Oh yeah, you like mm-hmm, this." Yep. <laughs> uh, we gave we unloaded a few before moving, mm-hmm. but they're just all they're over. still all over. <laughs> yeah, they're still they're still in play. Yes. All right. See, I collect CDs, actually. I love listening to CDs. I know it's older media, I guess. My, but... my dad would uh, complain about how I collected cassettes back in the day. <laughs> he got tired of moving them in and out of the dorm. Well, those can get heavy after, after so many of them. They can get pretty heavy. But they're all in my car, all my CDs, so I'm not toting them around, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, much different format. A little easier to yes. work with. Back in tomorrow... The game for Mitch, Sajay, I'm Troy. See ya.